Hey Mason, did you know that on July 1st, Yahoo Domain Renewal Pricing increased to $34.95 per year? $34.95 per year? No way! Ridiculous! That's not a deal at all! You're right, it's not, and I do need a deal. You need a deal? I got the deal you need, Andy! Check this out! Transfer your domain to GoDaddy for as little as $6.99 and get a free one-year extension plus guaranteed renewal pricing. GoDaddy.com makes transferring easy and offers loads of extras including hosting, a five-page site builder, and much more. Oh, yeah! Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out and save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions do apply. I want you to see the site for the details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to Mugglecast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce Mugglecast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because to Hank Voldemort or not Hank Voldemort, that is the question. This is MuggleCast, episode 159, for October 7th, 2008. Alright, it's time for another fascinating installment of MuggleCast this week. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for still sticking with us, even though we all gave up on you and decided to uh, not do the show weekly anymore. That's true. Wow. That's... We are your Harry Potter friends, and uh, we're back with... Um, we're changing up the episodes this week. We're getting back to something we haven't done in a while. A long while. And that is book discussions. Um, it's something that a lot of people have asked us to get back to. Because, let's face it, you know, we've been talking a lot about the movies. Mike has been complaining a lot about uh, movie pictures. Mm-hmm. And it's just time to get back to some book stuff. So, that's what we have this week, and that's going to be our goal through the next, you know, th- through, you know, MuggleCast going onward. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we got a lot to get to this week, so we'll jump right into it. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannabel. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Matthew Britton. Micah, what is in the news this week? Um, well, where do you want me to start, Andrew? There's a lot of stuff, and we have start at the top. The top, <laughs> number one, number one, <laughs> and work your way down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> one of the big events that took place um, during the last couple of weeks was Scholastic held a cover-to-cover event for the release of the 10th anniversary edition of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, even though it seemed to be leaked out before that. And uh, from 
what I read and the pictures I saw, it seemed that everybody who went had a good time. They got to sit on the throne. They got to read from the book. Um, and the throne, of course, was the one that J.K. Rowling used uh, at Carnegie Hall back uh, a year ago now, I guess, or almost a year ago. I can't oh, believe man. it was that long ago. Oh, Over a year God, ago. I can't believe oh, that. Oh, it was a year ago, yeah. Yeah, it was a year ago this time we were all summoned to New York City. That was a fun trip. It really was. It was. Uh, was I there? Yeah, yeah you, you were there. <laughs> oh, I was there. Oh, I actually was there. Uh, but I did go and, and purchase um, this 10th anniversary edition, and I know we talked about this on the last show um, when we had all that leaked information about what was in this book, and there really isn't a whole lot of anything. I mean, it's it's the cover and it's that drawing of Snape, and that's about it, which, which is I don't know. Is that pretty pathetic for a, an anniversary edition of a book? I was really surprised that's all it had. Because, yeah, like you said, the book leaked out really – well, not it wasn't leaked. Technically, they didn't have to put it on – they didn't have to wait till September 23rd. And, you know, if I'm a bookstore, I would put it out there as soon as I got it. But, yeah, I thought the book was really um, disappointing because uh, they were sort of hyping it up. They were saying, you know, it's going to have this, you know, exclusive bonus material from J.K. Rowling. And it did. But it was just a picture of Snape, and it's sort of like eh, it did. Lo- it did look like um, Mary Grand Prix's version of him too. Yeah, I almost thought I'd seen that before. Yeah, it looked very familiar. Looking, uh, you ended up with more from Mary Grand Prix than you did from J.K. Rowling because in the book there's also uh, like the first couple of pages another drawing by Mary Grand Prix with Hagrid and uh, him taking all the first years across um, to Hogwarts in the boats. Um, and I had never seen that before in the original, uh, Sorcerer's Stone. And it was a color drawing overall, uh, not enough in my opinion. I, I think you guys are, are, are probably correct. Uh, or Micah that, um, it was possibly mismarketed, meaning that you get more from Mary Grand Prix than you do by JK Rowling. Um, that's, that's an interesting observation. Um, I, I do, uh, I haven't bought the book yet. Um, cause I haven't been in a bookstore and seen it, but I did uh, did see it when the cover was shown to us, and uh, I think it's a cool cover. And uh, whatever they have yeah, inside, it's cool. going to be mm-hmm. uh, yeah, going to be going to be cool. I mean, it's not an, a deluxe edition by way of you know, it's not going to be more expensive. I mean, clearly, it's it's something to mark the date and yeah. the occasion. And and the thing about not having too many different special features inside is that it does still have to serve its purpose as a book. You know, it still has to function as a book that people read, yeah. as opposed to what they collect you know maybe maybe this will be what they read and people will start collecting the the old versions once they start replacing the whole lot of well not that they're going to replace it, i hope but, they don't you know i mean yeah, yeah it, it it'll still be it's an interesting alternate version of the book and the u.s doesn't have enough of that you know the uk already has adult or child but anyway getting back to this cover to cover event itself i thought this was a really cool event and i watched um the stream because they were streaming it live online uh, for most of the day, it was really cool just seeing all these people come in and read the books. And every, it was, uh, as I tweeted on Twitter, uh, I thought it was cool, you know, seeing what every each person was going to be wearing as they walked up uh, and sat in the chair. And then also the first, uh, I think it was 100 people got a uh, free copy of the book. So it's a good deal. Very good deal. So yeah, if you were yeah. able to make it out yeah. there, you know, write in, let us know how it went. Because I didn't go down there. Yeah. I had... Uh, you know, work and all that fun stuff. So I wasn't able to go down there, but uh, it seemed like it was a very successful event. Yeah. A couple of our friends were there too. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then at the end, they even hinted that uh, there may be 
another they said we'll see you next time for chamber of secrets and i was like whoa do you think they'll do it in New York? I kind of want them to, you know, just so go around do down York. the country or something. Yeah, they did it at Scholastic headquarters, so I think no. we'll there. Scholastic only has one headquarter. Yeah, no, oh. that's why it's called the headquarters. That's the one place. Oh, well, <laughs> you, you think like quarters are before different places because quarters, you know, four heads. No, yeah, right. Okay, no, okay, no. Good try. <sighs> well, what else is going on, Micah? Um. Well, speaking of books, Deathly Hollows, the paperback, is going to be released next July. What? Yeah, isn't that a isn't long that time? Isn't that really late? It is late. UK, the uh, the UK already has their paperback. Where's ours? It, it just seems weird that uh, you know. It is very bizarre. There's, there's that long of a delay, and one could argue, oh well, they want to time it with the movie. One could but, argue. Yeah, that's that. probably a pretty <laughs> good argument to make. Actually, um, I think that that's probably why they're doing it because I was listening to one of our shows um, on the train this past week and we were actually discussing um, something related to to the hardcover edition and we said oh well this paperback is probably coming out in July so that's why they're doing this I I don't know if they were moving the uh, hardcover editions off the shelves at a pretty fast rate at at some bookstores I think that was the story Um, I forget exactly what it was I know Laura had brought it up, but and then we kind of surmised, hey, maybe it's because this paperback edition is going to be out in July, and then of course mm-hmm. it's not coming out for another about year or so from today. So, yeah, guys, it's uh, it says um, on Amazon.co.uk, yeah, paper version July tenth, two thousand and eight. Yeah, it's weird. It's like I just said that. Yeah, but <laughs> why haven't we heard about that? I mean, no, I would have I would have just paid for a paperback version of it than the hardcover. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, hardcover, there is something about the hardcover version, and yeah. uh, it is stronger. It lasts longer. I mean, all my paperbacks, um, paperback books are pretty much falling apart now, and uh, I haven't read them near as much as uh, everyone else has. But I remember that the uh, Goblet of Fire paperback, if I if I am remembering correctly, I, I think that I got the Goblet of Fire paperback one of the few days it came out, which w- or one of the first days it came out, which could have been July 2002. Could have been out sooner. I could be completely mistaken, but... If that's the case, it would be two years after release date, which would be uh, similar to the um, time delay we're seeing here uh, with Deathly House in the United States. I think it's incredibly weird, though, that the paperback is out in the UK and not here for another year. Maybe Scholastic figures, well, uh, you know, with part, with hardbacks, you, know, you can make more. I'm not saying that's what Scholastic is figuring, but that could, I mean, I imagine they're making no, a bigger it, it profit off No, it of wouldn't be about money at all. I mean... Why maybe maybe uh, maybe Britain represents the future. You know, I mean, they're already like five well, hours, yeah, six hours the into other, the future. With all the other paperbacks, you know, we waited a year just well, like the UK. So what? you know, maybe they'll release movie six uh, out before there than they do here. Maybe they were sk- uh, thinking about skipping paperback and just going straight to anniversary edition. <laughs> maybe two year anniversary edition. Oh my gosh, two well, years, including a new sketch from Joe. Three no, actually, Angie, you might be right though. <laughs> anniversary editions. Maybe they didn't want the two to sort of compete with each other. Oh yes, that's what I. That's no, exactly what I meant. That's exactly. They're yeah, not going to do a two year anniversary no, no. edition. They're going to wait ten years. <laughs> no, no, the no, Sorcerer no. Stone anniversary no, edition. Eric, they didn't they want. Are. The Deathly Hollows paperback to compete, to compete with the Sorcerer's Stone mm-hmm. 10th anniversary and edition. And Beetle and the Bard's coming out too. Oh, that makes sense. More sense. Anyway. That's valid, yes. That's We've exactly what I meant. Thank you for rephrasing yes. it, Micah. Yeah. 
I but just for the record, I had that yeah, idea. Yeah, I think we all had the same general idea. We just said it differently, Andrew. Yeah, I was just interpreting what Andrew was trying to say. Yes. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> what else is going on? Uh, well, how about you talk about this one a little bit more because I think you know more about it. David, David Heyman, Heyman talks Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> so here's what happened, and I got a little side story about this too. So, uh, David Heyman's got a new movie out. He's producing and uh, he's promoting it. And uh, the the company, uh, film production company, had a good idea. Uh, talk to get the fan sites, let them ask questions about Harry Potter, and then they could post about the movie on their sites. That's a good idea. Yeah, why not? So, our own Jamie's in touch with uh, was in touch with the, the Damon David Heyman people, and he was supposed to submit questions. Um, you know, to, about Half Blood Prince that we would post on the site once we got the answers back well now jamie claims that it wasn't his fault but all the other fan sites had uh, these interviews with david Heyman, and jamie was in touch with them and for some reason jamie did not get uh the questions in so something tells me it was jamie's fault he says it's not but anyway uh david Heyman did talk about half foot prince and revealed some interesting things uh and MuggleNet did not have coverage no, except yes, we did. to say that everyone else had coverage. Yeah, we linked to them. Yeah, we had coverage to say that everyone, but we did not have our own original question. Right, exactly. But honestly, a couple of these questions kind of overlapped each other anyway. So yeah. I'm just going to take two. Uh, Snitch Seeker uh, asked them, uh, asked David Heyman, uh, as you know, Half Blood Prince screenings were recently held in Chicago, which has given fans an idea of what to expect come July 2009. Many were shocked to see the omission of the battle at Hogwarts and Dumbledore's funeral. Can you explain why these scenes were left out? Very good question. David responds, the reason why we left out the Battle of Hogwarts is because we have a battle at Hogwarts in the seventh film, and we are avoiding reputation. Dumbledore's funeral was something that I really loved and is a fantastic part of the book, and part of me would have loved it in the film. But we decided that while we loved it, that what we came up with was the right ending for the film that we had made. So he's admitting here that there is no Battle of Hogwarts and there's no Dumbledore's funeral, which is kind of crazy to even say. That... He's really, really behind me. the times, though, because I think Eric said that on last week's show. Yeah, or a couple <laughs> shows. Well, no, no, yeah, yes, Eric did tell us this when he was lucky enough to see the screening. By the way, Eric, Eric, did you catch any more movies that uh, are coming out in like ten years? Um, you know, actually, yes, but um, you wouldn't understand. Oh. I'd, I'd have to, yeah. Um, give it a few years. I'll okay. tell you when you when you're older, <laughs> okay. and then I'll, you know. So, um. <laughs> I I'm not really totally cool with this uh, reason. There's no Battle of Hogwarts because there's another battle in movie seven. Because think about all the other movies. Think about Lord of the Rings. You know, there's a big. Ba- think about all the Harry Potters. There's always some big sort of battle. Maybe it's not so generic like the Battle of Hogwarts. But saying that, I mean, do battles not translate well from uh, from one movie to another because it translates fine from one book to another. Well, probably costs no, a lot of I, money mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Yeah, well, um, and and not 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 just to jump quickly to that. I think that um, my review on MuggleNet reflects my uh, happiness with their treatment of the whole story of uh, book six. And I think by making that decision to not do, let's just say, the Battle of Hogwarts for right now, choosing not to do that big Battle of Hogwarts, um, they 
didn't have to make the whole movie sort of lean towards uh, to, to build up to this crazy battle of Hogwarts. Instead, they've made the cave scene really uh, sort of the climax, and, mm. and, and Dumbledore's death itself has been a climax, and there's there's no real distraction from that, that they're able to jump right into the emotion of everything without this battle of Hogwarts, which, let's face it, not, you know, who died in, the, in that? I mean, Bill got his face kind of scratched pretty badly, but nothing really productive happened as far as the plot. It, it, it's essential to the book. It, it makes sense in the book. Um, and in the movie, they, they didn't do it. But at the same time, I thought they were able to spend that time that would have been taken up by some big battle at Hogwarts in which no one dies uh, to to spend more time on the plot of book six and get some more of that stuff in there. Well, that makes that makes sense because as long as the cave scene's the climax, I mean that makes sense to me. Because when I think Half Blood Prince, I think about the cave scene. You don't uh, think about the the Hogwarts no. sort of. But Laura, what's your issue with it uh, initially? Uh... When I read this, you. You sort of grunted in a way. It, well, I mean, grunted, I, I mean, I'm honestly more annoyed about the fact that they leave Dumbledore's funeral out. I mean, it, I don't it's know. Not a second one of those, right? It's, you don't get <laughs> yeah. another one of those. So it's, you only get it's one death, yeah, right? You know, he can't he can't come back and die again, so that we can have a funeral right. in the next I, movie. I think it's a legit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but did they? I don't know if they filmed part of it too, because I heard uh, a quote from Natalie Tina um, from the uh, from one of the Comic Cons. One of the fans sent in a report that said uh, that she had expressed her disappointment that the um, it said that she expressed her disappointment that the Dumbledore's funeral scene was cut. I guess that means that it was cut from the script and not actually partially filmed or anything. Yeah, um, it's but logistically, not in there at all. Th- this is what I said before. Logistically, getting all those actors, even many of the characters we haven't even seen before, you know, well, it could just be extras. But I think it's um, you know, Dolores Umbridge, for instance, will have a Amelda Stone will have a lot more to do in movie seven. Yeah, and what's the cost associated with? bringing back those actors and actresses just for that one scene. I mean, you have to imagine that there's going to be a lot of people that would have to be involved in that, and they'd have to start paying salaries to those people just to show up for that one spot. Yeah, but you don't you don't have but you don't you don't have to bring all those people back though. Like the whole thing is about Dumbledore's funeral. It's not about who's there for it. So you get a bunch of extras, you get all the students, and you have the the professors. Like I think that's yeah. perfectly adequate. Well, if that's true, they had the students and the professors. There's no need yeah. for anything different than what they actually ended up doing in the movie. Right. Really? Well, yeah. I guess we can't really say more without yeah. spoiling no. so. Eric, I have one more question for you, though, about this battle at Hogwarts. And you said that them cutting it out seemed to work well with the movie. But did they also leave out sort of the after effects of... Dumbledore's death where Harry is running after Snape because I thought that is a crucial part leading into book seven. I'll take the I'll take the broader question on that, so as not to spoil everyone. The uh, the the after effects of Dumbledore's death are not uh, are not in any way skipped over. That uh, it's it's still very important uh, to the film and important to the ending. Oh, good. good. That's good to hear. We're not going to see another scene where just Harry just starts screaming. He was your friend. <laughs> no, what movie is that from? The third one. The third yeah. one, Prisoner of Basketball. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, uh, there was more to be said by David Heyman, uh, H-P-A-N-A, the Harry Potter automatic, uh, automatic news aggregator, asked him, how are the screenplays by Steve Clovis coming along for uh, 
book seven, movie seven. Mm. Uh, Heyman said they will be very faithful to the book. One of the pleasures of having the time to make two films means we will be able to go into more detail than we might otherwise have been able to do. If we had only done one film, we were concerned that we might have to remove the Deathly Hollows. We what? never went that far, but that would have been something that might have had to come out, which would have been terrible. Uh, the script is coming along well. I have read the first half of the adaptation. I have not read the second half. That should be coming in the next few weeks. So it seems like they already know where the split is, that means. Mm-hmm. Q, yeah. Q, Q. It bothers Wait, me, though, uh, that, that they would even consider leaving out consider, the Deathly yeah. Hollows. That's the that name of the so movie. Wrong. I mean, Yeah, they'd have to well, rename it. Harry Potter and... <laughs> Harry Potter and the last book. <laughs> Harry Potter and Voldemort. Do you think they would have renamed the movie? No, well, wouldn't they sort of have to if they, they cut out the whole They would have to if they cut out, well, yeah. I, I think what he means, too, is a lot of the backstory, too. And, I mean, think of all the creative things they'll be able to do with the tale. Like, maybe even the tales of Beetle the Bard, getting that, getting the uh, story put to film, the uh, the three brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows if they'll do that? I mean, you know, so they could have gone into elaboration. They might have the Hallows, but not be able to explain it. Harry you know. Potter and the quest for the Horcruxes. Well, it's like having the Marauders map and not learning who the Marauders are, right? Yeah. Or Sorcerer's Stone, not having the Sorcerer's Stone in the plot. It's just you know, it doesn't make yeah, sense. And it, no, I mean in the movie we didn't learn who the Marauders his were. statement here. Yeah, though, but is, but the movie the con- wasn't called Harry Potter and the Marauders map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Still a plot hole. No, it is, it, but it's, it, it, it's oh, not no. as significant. Well, if you want to go with plot holes, we'll be here all yeah. day. Yeah. with the movies. Yeah. Oh, it's and true. his it's statement true. here is but, the complete opposite of what he answers with the other question that we just looked at earlier. He's saying here, hey... It'd be terrible to cut stuff out. Yeah, exactly. We This is basically <laughs> him saying, we've screwed up so much in the first six films that we have to go ahead and make sure we cram everything in these last two because if we don't... But then yet you look at the fact that he goes out and leaves... Um, the, the battle at Hogwarts at the end of Half-Blood Prince out. He leaves out Dumbledore's mm-hmm. funeral. And yet in the next question, he's talking about having to put as much in as possible. You know, it, which one is it? I mean, yeah. do you really well, care you, that well, much? Well, what are your guys' well, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff separately happens in book seven that doesn't necessarily make complete sense telling a linear story. A lot of stuff happens for a lot of separate different reasons. Sure, Harry's hunting down the Horcruxes, but all the separate scenes in that movie, I can't imagine what it would be like cramming that all into one film, showing them here at this location and here at that location. The movie would have been a mess. It would have been an utter mess. There's a lot of stuff. Guys, I should tell you now what I did uh, just today and yesterday. I reread the last seven or so chapters of book seven. I loved it the second time around, by the way, guys. Um, But I... I wanted to say that, you know, just reading the Battle of Hogwarts scene, it goes on forever, and that alone could be a two and a half hour movie. I would want it to be. And, you know, thinking of all the renegade plots, all the things that the trio goes through before they get back to Hogwarts, which is essentially where we left off, uh, where I, I picked the book back up again, you know, that's a lot of uh, stuff. And, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so him, David Heyman saying that he is, you know, that they're going to have to be totally faithful is may not even mean that they have to get all the dialogue right and all of everything else right. They just mean they have to show what's actually happening in the book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all the because of the time freedom. Well, they also probably um, David Heyman is probably also meaning when we have to be very faithful to the book is that um, if they cut one, th- the, the scenes in in the book are so crucial for the um, the whole plot line 
for the entire book, if they cut like one thing in the movie, they're going to have to cut a few other things that which will have to cut more things because one scene leads to this or that. And then the, the next scene will lead to something else. It's just, you can't just cut one thing because then you're cutting like a m- other plot hole, uh, plot uh, twists and turns in, in the book as well. Yeah, And not only that, you're having to cram in whatever you left out in the previous six films. Like the fact that movie five, they couldn't take two minutes to put in something um, about the locket or in movie six, they couldn't put anything about you know the uh, diadem that Harry had seen when he was in the the room of requirement. So mm-hmm. by not even alluding to those things in the f- in the last two films, now you have to go back and explain to the audience how Harry could possibly have any clue what those items are and where they are, and that's a yeah. huge thing yeah, to undertake. True. All right, that's very true. Well, let's uh, let's move along. Uh, what else was going on, Micah? Oh, we're still on news. It's like the other episode where, where <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. 45 minutes later, we're going to come back to and we're still going to be doing the yeah. news. <laughs> oh, well, Christmas came earlier for me and it just keeps coming every day of the week. And it's great. All these pictures from <laughs> Half-Blood Prince. I can't get enough of them. Yeah. Um, it's 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 about quitting time now. I've had I've had my fair share. I mean, the, how many different calendars can you make here? It's it's beyond belief. Well, what do you guys mean? What do you, what do you mean, Mike? There's a slew of calendars coming out, and I have to say, WB must be kicking themselves for all these because you know I'm sure if they if you know if they would have preferred all this stuff comes out next year, but now we're getting all these pictures and stuff way early before the film comes out. I mean. Here we are a month and a half before when it was supposed to come out. If uh, when in reality these are coming out, what, eight months ahead of time? If if these pictures were coming out in March, WB would have had a fit. If if these pictures were coming out eight months before the November release, they would have had a fit. So we saw nothing in March. We saw, I think, I think in March we had that one single picture of Harry holding the, uh, the Half-Blood Prince book. Actually, no. God, that seems so long. I think ago. that one came out in like January, but yeah, it it just you know. So I'm sure they're really annoyed by all this. Oh, I think it was like March was when we saw like the trio at the fireplace when Ron was holding walnuts or something. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's just a lot now. So I think it, it's I, just it, beyond. It's got to come to an end. No reason to keep releasing these. I think a lot of people are just fed up because if you're going to do anything well, from this point forward, just release another trailer. Of some sort, yeah. I think that would be more worthwhile. I think I don't think they can control it because they've licensed all these other companies to produce all these other calendars and things internationally, and all that was set for that schedule to be released in November. It's it's just like the game, the video game. You know, everyone was pushing for it, so these calendars are produced. I wouldn't be surprised if they were already, you know, even mass produced. Mm-hmm. That they have a, a bunch of them that now cannot be sold. So it's it's kind of um, it's kind of impossible for them to stifle the images that are going to come from people who see these calendars and want to scan them for us. You know, it's not WB releasing Mm -hmm. these images so Mm -hmm. early. It's all these people who have access to these unreleased calendars. And that's why WB hates it so much, because they really have no control over it. Everything is all delayed. They're out now. (gasps) Is the yarn delayed as well? No, I think the yarn's been printed. We're safe. Well, if you were one of these companies, wouldn't you be pissed off too, that you have to wait on this product now for another eight months or who's waiting though who's waiting though i mean well, just they're the not going to sell these calendars before the release yes, they, date. Are. they are they're coming in the hands of people yeah oh okay yeah they're they're already they're going out they're going out baby out bring it dog 
bring well, it's gonna it. It's going to hurt them um, come release date, yeah, too, but, though, don't you think? I mean, they're yeah, not going to be able to sell as I, much because all the stuff's going to be out already. But I think they prefer the holiday season market yeah. over the summer. That's going to be kind of weird, though. I mean, I has all, like... Has like the uh, the Goblet of Fire calendar was that released during the year that uh, Goblet of Fire was released? It's usually well, it's usually like a sixteen the, month calendar yeah. where you get half the year. In oh, well, we're gonna get the entire year that it's out. Yeah. Well, well, they'll just they'll just make a two thousand ten calendar. Yeah, a two thousand nine two thousand ten calendar. Pictures. Um. Yeah, I'm looking. The wall calendar was released October first. Uh, the desk calendar, according to Amazon, it's not out yet. But the wall calendar is. And so is the day-to-day calendar. So You know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have a day-to-day calendar that you can peel back yeah. and it has a slightly new image of a movie you haven't seen yeah. yet. No, yeah. it's cool. I mean, it's kind of, the mi- kind of cool. The mini wall calendar came out in September. The poster book's coming out in November. So I, I think we still have... Actually, no, we already saw pictures from poster books. So it's just a slew of half-foot prints for the holidays. Okay, and uh, what else, Micah? Well, the Daily Record reported back on Tuesday that a 100-year-old printing press is being replicated by Deathly Hollows film producers for one of the scenes. And uh, the owner of this printing press, David Phillips, was pleasantly surprised when he was invited to Leaveston Studios to help the producers come up with a design. And he's got no idea um, what it's going to be used for, but I guess some of us can uh, offer our thoughts. Um, Yeah, I think this is uh, pretty cool that they're actually putting this much effort into a printing press. It almost makes you think that uh, they're going to have a lot of focus on mm. the scene. Yeah, like, and possibly, I mean, this scene, well, what is that scene in the book? The Xenophilius Lovegood scene is what we speculate. It, we speculate that it's going to be the Quibbler's printing yeah. press. So yeah. that scene would only further, well, first of all, it goes to support, that's where we find out about the tale of the three brothers. Right. Uh, right. But also, yeah. so possibly I mean, there, the there's going to be a lot with this. Yeah. And yeah. also, pop- yeah. possibly the subplot that they're taking, you know, that they took Luna and are blackmailing Xenophilius Lovegood. So, two good things, two good big subplots come out of that scene that we now think they might be paying a lot of attention to. I mean, right. they basically, I bet someone, you know, writing the thing or, you know, the producers had to say, well, who's the, you know, who owns a. 100-year-old printing press, you know, who's the who's the guy to talk to? And they call this guy up who's never really heard about them and never been associated with them before. He just happens to have this old printing press. They call him in on a consulting basis. It just shows the effort that they're putting into this. Yeah. It's pretty well, it's cool. a big scene. I mean, it's 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 the scene that we find out why the story is called The Deathly Hollows. Let's do a little math here, too. If they already are getting this printing press design, you would assume that's for the first script if the second script isn't ready yet. So that means in pre-production. I mean, yeah, or something. but you know, you still you would cut stuff out of this. You wouldn't do this until after the you have a final script. I would think, maybe, unless you know that this will be made into all copies of the script to show the printing press things like. Yeah, props. I guess it's important. Yeah, but anyway, if we could assume that they're doing this just because of that, just because it's in the first script and the first script is ready to go, yeah. Then uh, we're looking at it's going past the silver dough, which some speculated that might be where um, it cuts off. Mm, interesting. So uh, just something to think about there. Uh, Eric, you could be right, though. Go ahead, Micah. Uh, one of the last pieces of news was that uh, J.K. Rowling has donated close to $2 million uh, to the Labor Party. Um, and she's saying she was motivated 
by Labor's record on child poverty and opposed the conservative plan to give tax breaks to married couples. Um, Her donation will boost Gordon Brown as he tries to calm unrest among party members at Labor's annual conference. That's a lot of money. We know what party she's on. (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. I have a I have a feeling you know who she was voting for um, here in the United States if she was American. (laughs) Is is the Labor Party the equivalent to Democrats? Well, they're not like exactly the same, but they are the liberal party. Well, that that's something because I mean you you know here in America you would never see a celebrity donate so much money Uh, (laughs) any money to a party. Oh no, they do. They do. Really? Oh yeah, celebrities donate tons of money. You, I bet you could find somebody. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of artists go out and support. Yeah, I guess they don't do it as publicly though, too, because you don't want people not seeing your movie because you're, you know, Republican, Democrat, whatever. And last story of the day, Mike Tanbun. Uh, well, we talked about Sorcerer's Stone a little bit um, at the top of the news, but. Apparently, they're coming out with a exclusive Scholastic School Market Edition um, that I guess is strictly for groups that are going to be ordering or schools that are going to be ordering um, mm-hmm. this yeah. special edition. Or is that is yeah. that what it's it, going to be? It's cool. Yeah, it, it's it's the exclusive Scholastic School Market Edition. So a lot of acid in there, but it's a cool cover, and I'm really surprised that you know Scholastic is shaking it up this much with all these new covers for the first book. Um, and this one was also illustrated by Mary Grand Prix, which is cool. It's got Harry Ollivander and uh, Hagrid in Ollivander's wand shop, so it, it's cool. It's cool. We don't have any good size images of uh, this yet, but. Hopefully we will. Somebody will get a copy and then send it in. So a lot of schools and libraries will probably be ordering this edition. And I'm sure people are going to try and get their hands on it as well. Um, collectors mainly. Doesn't it kind of weird you guys out that when when we all have kids, they're going to be reading Harry Potter in school. Like it's going to be in a signed book. I know. And I they're going to Yeah, they're going to come home and they're going to hate it by p- sheer virtue of the fact that they're being forced to read it. And that's just going to make me sad yeah uh it, it's amazing to think how many more generations of people still um are yet to fall in love with harry potter it's just surreal you know yeah it's generation after generation is that it micah that is it i'm done i'm leaving see you guys okay <laughs> uh it's time for some announcements don't forget to vote for us on podcast alley it is mugglecast um, october it's a very important month for us. Yes, it very. sweeps. So uh, please vote for us. Everyone's doing a great job. So thank you so much. Um, another thing, we nominated ourselves in the 2008 Podcast Awards. Uh, we na- nominated ourselves in the entertainment category. And uh, we should be hearing soon if we got you know some of the top nominations so we can actually be in the running for the award. Um, it, so thank you to everyone who nom- helped nominate us. Isn't it, um, is the 19th, is that right? That will know who is going Did to be able to be voted an on. I think so, yeah. It says October 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Ooh, so I'll be tuned 7 in. 7 p.m. I'll for you, in. East Coasters. Yeah, so, all right, well, cool, that's good. So, just over two weeks, two weeks from today. Wow. 
so thank you for that. And uh, another thing, something really exciting that I was informed just yesterday. Uh, Azcatraz 2009, we've been talking about it a lot. And they're going to be sending out their very first newsletter soon. And it's going to have a very exciting MuggleCast-related announcement in it. So sign up for the Azcatraz newsletter. It's hp2009.org. And, you know, put your email address in. And the first newsletter is going to have something cool that, uh, frankly, no podcast has ever done before. No. Actually, no. (laughs) (laughs) That is right. Um, No. So it's very exciting and I guess once they announce it, then we'll talk about it more. But it's, it's going to be epic. If you do want to register for Azcatraz early, which we do suggest, that's a very good idea. Under referral, put MuggleCast or MuggleNet. Uh, so Ooh. that way they know. No, this is serious. Oh, that sorry. way they know, uh, you know, where you're coming from. So thank you very much for that. And like I said, sign up for the newsletter. I just wanted to... <laughs> wrap up uh, some announcements with the Ministry of Magic election. Just talk about that real quick and say that it's going strong. It seems like people are really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, for as crazy as this whole concept is, it seems like people are are getting into it and we're getting into our second week uh, actually starting on Tuesday. So uh, this week is Molly versus Horace and Kingsley versus Minerva. So Ooh, Kingsley and Minerva. It's good. I like these battles. It's interesting yeah. to see how uh, people, what people think. So, next election is October seventh, Tuesday on MuggleNet. Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah. October seventh. Okay, uh, let's move on to Muggle Mail. I hate to say it, but we're still having feedback form problems, even using the MuggleNet feedback form. There's something wrong with it, and uh, Damon's looking into it. Hopefully, have it fixed soon. But we have two emails right here, and these focus on uh, the Half Blood Prince movie. Um, first one from Skylar. She writes, Hi, I'm just giving my thoughts on the early Half-Blood Prince screening. If I had the choice to go, I don't think I would have. I would not have wanted to wait two additional years to see Deathly Hollows. The pushback of the complete Half-Blood Prince movie is enough already. Another reason I would not go is for the imaginative part. When you see a Harry Potter movie, you get sucked into the movie, and you seem to be right alongside the characters. Seeing the movie go from special effect to blue screen would ruin that for me. Thanks. Love the show. Uh... So there's someone saying... I don't. I don't want to see it early. And frankly, I, I agree with everything she had to say. Yeah. And seeing it now is just way too early. When you yeah, but I mean, you. you yeah, would still but it, okay. See it. But if someone came because, up to you, I on mean, the street, if you knew, right? Yeah, and said, "Well, Here, I mean, though, I've, if, I've got tickets to this." If they had the, if they originally had Half Blood Prince in in July of two thousand nine, and we were and the premiere for what Order of the Phoenix came out. So you would be going, would you wait a year after Order of the Phoenix was released because you didn't want to wait two years for Half-Blood Prince to be released? No, I no, I just think there's something about, you know, spoiling, uh, you know, not having all that hype to look up to. Next email. Hey there. In the last month, I've been hurting like everyone else that the sixth Harry Potter film is not going to be released in a few months. But despite the disappointment, I have to say that I'm not so angry anymore. I'm not here to rebuttal your feelings because they're just that feelings but i feel that very few people are are taking this in an optimistic way however i'm taking it in a different view according according to all the testimonies like eric and joe's we are in for a treat sure it was a major disappointment 
Sure, its former release date is being replaced by Twilight, which, sorry, is not my cup of tea. And sure, we have to wait for basically a year until we can see the finished product. But can you imagine how wonderful of a movie this is going to be after a year? I think we should sit back and look at this with excitement besides anger. Another thing, when we see the final three seconds of the final film, and the theater lights up and the movie is over, so is the excitement felt every year throughout the fandom, whether it be for the book or the movie. Despite the disappointment we all felt to hear the movie had been pushed back, I think of how utterly abrupt the end will be, will come, regretting it couldn't have lasted longer. I say amen for an extra year. The anticipation lives on. Sophie. Uh, here's an email that WB uh, knows would have come eventually, because like everything, everything blows over. And here's just a great example of a fan who I'm sure was frustrated at first, uh, like she said in her email. But, you know, like I'm sure they thought, oh, it'll blow over. Everybody will be fine with it. And she's right. The anticipation in the fandom does uh, last longer, which is always good. Yeah. Well, I mean, fans are going through the the five stages of grief. They started with anger and now they have moved on to acceptance. (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's that way with a lot of the fandoms, you know, and it's not just Harry Potter. I mean, it's 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 other fandoms as well as um, a a lot of the fans get upset when when things change or something just doesn't go the way they thought of it. And their initial reaction is very, you know, extreme. And after time, you know, it kind of boils over a little bit. I miss the days when we were debating when book seven was going to come out, 2007 or 2008. Let's bring I that back. F- it's, it's such a different, like, I mean, I hate to say it, like, I'm not saying that the fandom's dying or whatever, but it, it, it was a very different time for the fandom. And I really do miss that yeah. because there was an excitement that we don't really have anymore. It's sad. Yeah. Think about how much better um, the, the fandom timeline, so to speak, would have been because, you know, we had a movie and a book last year imagine if you know we had the movie last year the book this year then the movie the following year then two more movies and two more years it would have been great yeah do you remember when we were we were debating and we were like oh i I think it was jamie and i who were like oh book seven won't come out in 2007 it's gonna be 2008 yeah i remember that (laughs) and jamie made the infamous uh i'll bet you um uh, he would he'll eat. eat 50 sausages. Yeah. I think that yeah. was it. Yeah. yeah. He never I did. remember that episode too. I was listening to it. Laura was like, she can't finish that book in a year. She can't. <laughs> you, you don't understand the writing process. <laughs> okay. I did not say that. <laughs> yes, you did. No, I didn't. I it's just, a fair I, case. No, it's a fair no, case. I, I was just saying that it, it was, I thought it was somewhat unreasonable for people to assume that she could write a 600 page book in a year she exceeded my expectations speaking of book seven it's time now to get into our main discussion and this is a good one i'm excited about this everyone is i think what happened after the battle of hogwarts in book seven and you know we've talked so much about the battle and everything surrounding the book but what happened after the battle of hogwarts and that's what we're discussing now we're going to discuss the future and uh, first, I have to give credit where credit is due. We, um, the, this discussion idea came from the COS forums, Chamber of Secrets forums. Uh, they're MuggleNet's official forums. They have fantastic discussions there all the time about Harry Potter. So if you want to get in some good discussing, I would definitely recommend COSforums.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you it's, can chime in on the discussion about this, too. It's definitely a, a, v- a venue for a Harry Potter fix. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. 
Okay, so we're going to start off. I mean, should we do a summary? Everyone knows what happens. Yeah, everyone knows. We everyone even prevailed. talked about it after chapter by chapter. Yeah. All right, uh, Eric, you're back now. You're all good. Eric had a little fallout. Back, I'm all good. A little BSOD uh, action. Now. Okay, so the Battle of Hogwarts was a very happy time, and it was a very sad time. Um, it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Yes. Actually, it was lunchtime. <laughs> no, it was breakfast time. Oh, because it ended in the Fail. morning. Actually, it was breakfast time in the U.S. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first question. After the battle, and most of these questions focus or, like directly after the battle. Do you guys think everyone grieved or did you think the happiness outweighed uh, the sadness? Because, you know, like I said, it was such a happy time and a sad time. You have to wonder what takes control. Like, you know, after Harry killed off Voldemort, how does everyone react? Is it just a quiet time where everyone's just looking around each other and hugging? Or is it cheers and celebrations or what? I think it's a Uh, mixture of both. Yeah. Didn't it say, like, after it was all over that they all, like, sat down at the house tables? Like, isn't that kind of weird? They all just sat down at the tables together? Yeah, yeah, and they weren't, they didn't sit by houses, they were just kind of all mixed up. Yeah, everyone just sat down. The point I wanted to make, too, is that everyone, uh, during the Battle of Hogwarts, there were periods of time where everyone, I mean, basically, there were two separate periods of time where everyone had had the ability and the time to pick up the dead and uh, bring them into the Great Hall and do their sort of grieving. You know, I mean, once, sort of in between the battling, there was all that time where uh, people were taking those who had fallen in battle and taking them into the Great Hall, which is where everyone was grieving sort of even during. So at the end of uh, the Battle of Hogwarts, it makes sense to me that, um, I mean, there will still be plenty of grieving to do, uh, but if you're asking whether or not it's a uh, a celebration or not, I, surely with the the Dark Lord's battle and the and the Harry versus Voldemort, you know, final confrontation, it's it's got to be uh, an overall really rewarding, I would say, if anything, mm-hmm. rewarding, you know. And can I also say that the uh, writing around this time, the press, the newspaper, those stories have got to be sort of the best news. You know that that anyone can bring that there were plenty mm-hmm. of casualties. It's not a particularly happy time in any reason, but everyone can be relieved. You know, I mean, there was that statement. There's actually a statement in the book which uh, explains how Kingsley Shacklebolt was made temporary minister of magic and stuff. So, all, all oh yeah, I love that kind happening. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's in the book. So so there is sort of a uh, it's progress. It's what now? You know, rebuilding. It's really this big era of rebuilding. Yeah, it's 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 also kind of um, I don't want to say grieving though, but and and I and I I, I hate you know really uh, comparing it to other book series, but um, in Lord of the Rings after the big you know battle in it, are you guys familiar with it? Yes. At all? Well, um, you know, well the the, the characters going home after the big war was over, I and mean, it, it was just so hard to go back to the way everything was. I think one of the characters there was there was like a quote that's saying. Um, how can the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? And you just got to wonder, like, what the Wizarding World was like after, really after Voldemort really wrecked havoc. I mean, he did the first time until he was defeated, quote-unquote, but now that he's dead, but 
that huge battle. I mean, just all those lives that were affected by it. And also they were students and it affected them so young. It, it, I mean, we have to say like, they were kind of traumatized too. Yeah. About the whole thing. Like how, how, how they view things now and like what, what, what they take from what they witnessed and everything. Yeah, well, I mean, I imagine that there would have to be a great deal of pain involved. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You just look at examples like the Weasleys, who lost a son. Yeah, well, Weasleys you know, lost it, a lot. Yeah. That whole war, the first and second war of it, they lost a lot of Weasleys. I mean, granted, they had a lot to spare, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> spare your Weasleys? Um, yeah, I think the grieving period would be probably pretty long and drawn out, Um you know, just for them to pay their respects and have all the proper services for all the people that uh, had gone. I don't think there would be that sort of sense of happiness until they were maybe a couple months removed from everything that happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. See, again, they had that time to do, I mean, they really did grieve a lot during the time when Harry was in Snape's pensive and then, uh, you know, viewing Mm -hmm. Snape's memories, that, that was an hour that Voldemort gave him to come back into the forest. And then all that time that Harry went into the forest and had that thing with Voldemort before Voldemort said, Harry Potter is dead. All that time has passed where they're in the Great Hall. Yes, they're waiting, scared to figure out what's going to happen next when battle comes back, but they, they're having that time. So in the end, you know that the, the, you know that the people didn't die for nothing because you've just seen this extraordinary battle in the Great Hall between Harry and Voldemort, and Harry, and Voldemort is is finally dead for good, completely dead. His body is right there in front of you. Nothing mysterious about it. He's gone, and mm-hmm. there just has to be this such overwhelming because no nobody more will die, and no right. matter who you lost, especially if you're the Weasleys, you know that nobody more will die, and I think that good cause will completely. Uh, they'll still be upset, and you're right, Micah, the, uh, mentioning that they have to have all sorts of services. That's true, and it can't be easy, and it can't be fun or happy. But I think overall, they're they're going to be relieved. I think. Oh yeah, there's a huge sigh of relief after this. Yeah, but they were doing what they were what they could with the time that was given, though, and there was that sense of not knowing what was going to come. So they they had to grieve as fast as possible in the, in the sense that you were talking about because they didn't know if, you know, 15 minutes from then they turned around and were going to be dead themselves. So uh, there was a little bit of that. But I, I just think that when you look at all the people who died, you know, Matt mentioned students before, there's a good chance that their parents and other siblings and people like that weren't there at the time that it happened. And they have to go through that whole process mm-hmm. of it's almost like soldiers coming back from the war, you know, going back to their families that just really can't, you know, reach out to them anymore after what they've seen. Yeah. Plus, I'm not sure how happy they may have felt because um, I'd like to argue that they don't know what could be coming. There still could be more to come. Or maybe they could have feared that Voldemort, you know, by some really odd way, actually didn't die or had some really freaky way of coming back. Because, you know, if he can split his soul into seven parts, who knows what else he can do, especially if, you know, he were to die. But um, I don't think yeah. at that time it was any question. That's well, just... yeah, but you you can't feel totally complete because you got to remember that the Death Eaters are still out there, too. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I guess it, there is never no 100% peaceful world ever in any world. So, 
I think there would be more relief than happiness, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I We're don't think happiness is here. the right word. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like relief. You know, it's finally done and over after all of the suffering. But but here's a here's a random stretch at one of those seven relations that I was thinking up when you guys were talking about the Weasleys. Technically, there's like seven Weasleys because Molly was, you know, not a Weasley nine. originally. No, there's there's there's, She's a there's nine, including Molly. But if you don't include Molly because she was in the family, that means one dies. So there's seven. It's number seven. No, but she but, but she made like half a dozen. No, I don't almost. care if there's nine. I'm just saying that uh, Arthur she married into yeah, a Weasley. He, he helped. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> what would I mean? you consider Harry a Weasley? A Weasley? No. no, he's married into them. No, and I don't. You don't. <laughs> That's why I don't count Molly. What, what about if, even if they even if they include him as a family? Yeah. Well, what about Rose oh. and Hugo? They're Weasleys too. Yeah. yeah. At that okay, point, but what they I'm didn't saying exist. is the original Weasleys. Your logic is flawed. The original Weasleys. Oh, whatever. The original Jeez, Weasleys have... lived a thousand years ago. Jeez, Sorry, I'm thinking outside Original the box. Weasleys. God, we could we could even call the Malfoys original Weasleys because they're related to them somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying they're not. Re- I'm saying Molly's not. No, related. no, no. Your argument does not hold water. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm sure people email and support me. <laughs> Another question. Don't do it. <laughs> Did Harry speak to the Malfoys after the battle? And if so, what did he say? Um, there's only one thing I can think of. Awkward. Well, yeah, yeah because doesn't Malfoy owe him um, a life debt? Well, yeah, and there's even a mention of that in book seven that, that at, towards the end, that Draco was sort of just like, he gives him a look, right? Yeah, he yeah, gave yeah, him yeah, a nod. curtly. That was, yeah, uh, yeah. The, that was in the epilogue. What do you think Draco's feelings toward Harry were? <laughs> embarrassed. Well, <laughs> the whole be thing is to, yeah, like... Narcissa Malfoy is, is the single reason that Voldemort was defeated. If you're going to look at it, she could have ratted Harry out as not, you know, she said to Voldemort that he was dead and Voldemort went up to the castle then. So Harry owes, I mean, Narcissa just wanted to know if her son was safe and Harry said he was. And so Lucius and Narcissa, it's said at some point in the battle, they're just walking through the Great Hall calling their son's name. They just need to find Draco. That's all mm-hmm. they care about. And so they get to be a family, and, and and Voldemort's defeated, and so if Harry did speak to them, I mean, I, I just think the, the, the events of the evening speak for themselves, that, that Harry was helped by Narcissa, that Draco was helped by Harry and Ron, that in the end, the evil is conquered, and it, it would be kind of awkward, but I think that's some real kind of forced respect. You know, like uh, in the beginning when they say – when in book one when it's uh, – there are a few things you can't do without becoming best friends and knocking out a fully grown mountain troll was one of them. Well, you know, you have to have respect for sort of what has gone on after all they've suffered. Mm-hmm. Right. That And also going back to um, what I said about embarrassment is that Malfoy doesn't only owe him one – he pretty much owes him three life debts. Yeah. If you think about it, they saved him um, in, in the fire. They saved him um, from being killed by a Death Eater. And they and Harry pretty much saved his life when he told his mother that he was safe. Because he was going to get killed anyway by Voldemort because technically he's still in the um, castle, which means that he's on the other guy's side. Yeah, you're right. The good side. So he's, he's saved his butt three times. Yeah, and... One thing that I did was I looked up this this chat that J.K. Rowling did after the book was released, and somebody asked her, did Draco and Harry lose their animosity toward each other when Voldemort died? 
She said not really. Uh, there would be a, a kind of reproachment in that Harry knows Draco hated being a Death Eater and would not have killed Dumbledore. But similarly, Draco would feel a grudging gratitude towards Harry for saving his life. So, yeah, you know this. This reminds me. Do you guys ever like feel bad for the bad guy after they already lose at the end? In like any book, in in any book or even any movie, I you know there's this sort of just like uh, I have sympathy for the bad guy who isn't a bad guy through and through. You know, I mean, right. yeah, Draco, he's not a good guy, but at the same time. We see that he has some moral compass. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, he didn't want to be a Death Eater, so I felt bad for him in uh, in the sixth book. Yeah. yeah, me too. But Voldemort, hell no. Is it a golden moral compass, Laura? Yes, <laughs> Eric. That's exactly what I meant. It's when fun you to see know Draco that Draco being ashamed that that was probably the perfect punishment for the Malfoy family is utter embarrassment and shame. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but but gratitude that they're still alive. You know, that to they've feel been those things, to feel pretty much um, mercied to being alive by the people that they loathe is is kind of <laughs> I, I I don't know what it fits. what to say. Yeah, it does. It's a perfect it's a perfect ending for their their chapter. Here's a question I've always wondered: Did Harry tell anyone exactly what he had been doing for the past year? Because you know, at the end, oh. he sort of of every book, he sort he kind of reveals what was going on. Like with the Sorcerer's Stone, he he told everyone, didn't he? I mean, probably wrote an autobiographical. Dumbledore book. did. I mean, he had a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, I was on gonna say he 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 wrote a memoir. Yeah, like yeah. in Burn After Harry, Reading. Harry, my history. Harry, a history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, remember, he takes Ron and uh, Hermione aside and tells them exactly what happened in the forest right afterward. But everyone else pretty much heard what was going on in the battle uh, because he at one point says to Voldemort. Uh, no more Horcruxes, you know, and there are all sorts of adult wizards there who would know or have heard of Horcruxes before who can discern then that that is what happened. And certainly somebody will tell someone word will get out and they'll know sort of how exactly Voldemort had been doing everything that he'd been doing. Because in that in that talk between Harry and Voldemort at the very end in the Great Hall, that sort of – everything is more or less given out. All of the backstory, things like – even Snape-loving Lily is completely made public. Uh, when Harry shouts yeah. it to I would Voldemort. also think that the public, there would be a demand from the public uh, about what happened. Specifically, yeah. specifically Yeah, you know, there would be some kind of like commission release. Everybody would want to yeah. know Harry's story. The Voldemort commission? Harry's, and it'd be published. Uh, yes. Harry has to write an autobiography. Hey, there are commissions published on national tragedies here, too. Yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. The 9-11 commission yeah. report, specifically. That's what I was thinking of. The 9-11 um, commission, commission report. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Good connection. Someone should write that. Should write up like a, a report style of what happened. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's your and listener challenge. And then we should challenge. do a documentary on it. Documentary, yeah. Um, let's see. <laughs> What's next? Do you guys think uh, he told everyone the truth about Dumbledore and Snape? And if so, and here's a good point. If so, how? How the hell do you, uh, you know, explain that to someone? What do you mean? What is this question even Well, because everyone wondered. I think what, there was what, a lot of debate even within Hogwarts if Snape uh, was a good guy. Didn't Joe say that Harry cleared Snape's name? I'm pretty yeah, sure I, she I said that in an interview. She said that he would ensure that a portrait of Snape would hang in the headmaster's office. Oh, So I think yeah. that that would sort That's of, good. at least as far as Snape is concerned, put to rest 
any sort of questions that people had about him. And then Dumbledore, um, who knows if I, I doubt he shared maybe with the exception of Ron and Hermione, what he went through, um, at King's cross. Yeah. Or even, yeah, even, that's even that's true. like, uh, about Grindelwald and all that. Do you think Harry would have ever revealed that sort of information or is that personal stuff that Dumbledore more that's would have personal. appreciated? It's very, it's yeah. very interesting. I mean, it's a good question, and Harry certainly has a good book deal out of all this information. If you were to do a thing like that, <laughs> congratulations, Mister Potter, you get a book deal. Um, so, but the Snape thing was something else that was already cleared, sort of in the Harry Voldemort discussion at the end. Snape's name was more or less cleared. He was a spy for you know. He was a spy for you, but he was really Dumbledore's, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You don't know a thing, Tom. You don't know anything. Don't you know anything? Tom. Haven't you been listening, Tom? Tom. 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 Yeah. And right. um, in, in good Harry Next fashion, question. somebody would assume that Harry probably would have went to see uh, Teddy Lupin uh, as quickly as possible. Do you guys do you guys think that was one of his priorities or or what? Yeah, I think so. He he seemed really uh, really yeah. hyped and very honored about being a godfather. Well, so. I also think that he wanted some time with Jenny too. <laughs> I mean, geez, finally. Mm. Yeah, where's that come on the list? Where's that come on the list? Does he visit Teddy? Uh, or which he visit, which came first? Visit his girl. I mean, well, yeah, I think it is Jenny. You know would definitely be quicker person to get to mm-hmm. you know visiting i mean you know and plus teddy was very young at that point mm-hmm. you know yeah he has to find out where exactly yeah i you mean know, teddy, teddy wouldn't re- mm-hmm. at that point teddy wouldn't remember that he was second best so <laughs> yeah it's, it's fine <gasps> do you remember you were second best that's also one of really one of the sadder stories but i think as one of us brought up on an episode a while ago that really did bring the story uh full circle uh teddy losing his parents so Mm-hmm. Teddy seemed to be okay. Wasn't he making out with with somebody? No, Teddy's a baby. Oh no! And ten years <laughs> later, I thought was Teddy made out okay. in the epilogue. Oh. Teddy was making fun yeah, of. Victoire. I don't think Victoire. he was making out with anybody ten years later. This is after the battle discussion. Oh <laughs> well, that was after the battle. <laughs> right after I, I said. Oh no, you didn't specify the time. <laughs> Nineteen years after. The battle. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder right how quickly the they they rebuilt Hogwarts. I mean, just use a little magic wand and it everything was, goes back? Or well, I'm glad you asked that, because it goes into our next question. Did Hogwarts finish the year? Did everyone join in to help rebuilding it? Um, or do you think they just, you know, canceled the owls and the newts and they were like, go home for the year? Because, I mean, I, I, in all fairness, though, the castle wasn't in such bad shape that people couldn't learn. Yeah. And with magic, they could have cleaned it up. Well, really it's, it's so, really so hard, much. though, to think that, I mean, the, these students can go from this huge epic battle of their time, and then the next day they're learning history of wart remover or something. It's... They're, yeah. yeah, they're not going to... Um, there would have had to be a, a definite period of time. I mean, how with the timeline of the film, it was towards the end of the year Hogwarts anyway. does seem to be a little lenient, though, on, like, their final exams and stuff. Like, in Chamber of Secrets, they canceled the final exams. Well, it's the least of their worries. If you remember, all the students, or most of the students who were underage were sent away from the castle to escape and be safe somewhere else. You know, they'd either... You know, I, I, I think, I think the, the big pull would be to get those people 
to their families mm-hmm. and to get the people who were killed to their families. And really, I, yeah. I, I think that would have been a massive effort. The Ministry of Magic uh, being constantly reformed would have you know, provided aid mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff would have happened to the – A, the rebuilding of their only school in England, um, you know, plus everything else. It just – it would have been a massive project that – even with magic, wouldn't uh, yeah. have been. You would think, in a though, day. like the students enduring like that huge battle and living afterwards, that the that the school would at least let them not take like defense against the dark arts or something. Like if they live through that, yeah, they, they, they know what they're doing a little bit. I mean, yeah, you, you just passed your defense against the dark arts exam. No, you always have to yeah, teach. Yeah, I mean, well, constant history vigilance, they have to teach it because no one's going to remember that. But no, constant vigilance. You got to teach def- defense against the dark arts all the time because they're constantly improving. Now that the secret is out, now that everyone knows about Horcruxes, what's going to be next? What exactly did Harry do next? Uh, did he move into Grimwald Place or move back to the borough for a couple weeks? I think he would have moved to Grimwald Place. Yeah, I think that's a very definitely. Place I mean, because he's got creature there. It's yeah, his. It's but his not place. just that. I mean, it, there's memories of Sirius there. There's even memories of Snape there. Mm-hmm. And even Dumbledore, obviously. I, I, I like to think that Harry yeah. um, had a good, I mean, grew a, a really fondness for a creature, and they both had a really good relationship, living yeah, arrangements. Obviously. Yeah. Harry says something in Book 7 about creature making him a sandwich after <laughs> mm-hmm. after it's all over. It's, it's towards the end. Because all the house elves come out of the kitchens with knives and things and attack all yeah, the dumpsters. Yeah. No. You guys remember that? Yeah. And Harry's like, after this, uh, I hope in my four-poster bed he can come and make me a sandwich. A cheese That's sandwich. That's what he says. It was really cool. Grimwood Place is really a great place for Harry, too, because he must have so much reflection there. Because so much mm-hmm. of his life changed because uh, of events and planning that occurred mm-hmm. in, that, in that place. Well, I mean, also, I would kind of like it if he would have a vacation home at um, his parents' house. I mean, now that everything's... Okay, he can move back, can he? Um, oh, that's right, it exploded. No, it yeah, was well, kind of... He can regrow it. I mean, geez, they, if they rebuilt Hogwarts, they can rebuild um, Godric's Hollow. Actually, that's a question I had, because Voldemort's, Voldemort's body was there, wasn't it? Like, Voldemort says Voldemort's he was ripped from his everywhere body in this book. that night. So... I mean, it's not enough that Voldemort – they did take Voldemort's body to one of the towers. They separated it from all the good victims and put it somewhere. We don't know what exactly happened to that, it, which can, kind of leads into the next point. Did everyone have a proper burial? But um, you know, just finishing this thought, Voldemort's body uh, was at Lily and James's house the night it or, – or was there some kind of – did JKR say something against that? Apparently, JKR yes. said his body disappeared. Body disappeared. So – so there isn't two corpses. No, of Voldemort no, there's only like around. one. The other one was just like, okay, I'm done. So what they do? What do you guys think they did with Voldemort's body then? Burned uh, the, it. The new body. <laughs> Kicked it. Sent it into <laughs> it. SVU. Then burned it. Had a little pinata party. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sick. You got a little sushi, but it's a good Ew. pinata. It's a good question, though. I mean, sushi. you can't bury the guy. You can't give him any sort of funeral. Um, I think I th- they sent him I think off with formalities. They, him they had to like style. bury him or something. They probably just put him in the backyard or something of Hogwarts. No, they stuffed it, and it's now in the Weasleys' living room. Ill, <laughs> like chilling on the couch. No. There's a good top ten. Somebody come up with the top ten things 
that could have been done with Voldemort's yeah, body. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, no, 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 no. Send it. Send it. That, like that. That leads actually, into a debate. Actually, yeah. But we, we, kind before of. we get there, I would love to see like a, a sketch by Joe or Mary Grand Prix of like a memorial that was resurrected at Hogwarts um, to recognize all those who did die. Can you imagine, like a giant, like a fountain, like or a some, like a of, memorial? Yeah, that's what thing. I said. Oh, some, some sort of statue Sorry, or something. That'd be really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Well, they could even devote an area in Hogwarts to everybody who was killed. Yeah, like the dungeon. I think that would the be potions great. room. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, another discussion I think, or that something will turn into a debate is, and maybe even as soon as next episode is, whether all the houses should have um, become one, because there's a question of unity after this big battle. A lot of readers and fans were saying that you know they should have all united and just turned into one house but then that raises some questions so i think it'd be an interesting thing to uh, debate but we can save that for another time do any of you wonderful manga cast co-hosts have any other questions about what happened after the battle of hogwarts okay so listeners if you have any ideas uh, if you have any questions about what happened after the battle of hogwarts send them on into mugglecast at staff.mugglenet.com uh, we'd like to know what you, what your thoughts are um, and, you know, give us your answer about some of the questions we've brought up or questions you have, and we'll read them uh, next time in our rebuttals. So now it's time for This Week in MuggleCast History. This is going back to MuggleCast 115. It was uh, in early October. Uh, it's just last year. Uh, Micah, you remember when uh, it took you four months or whatever to see the film, right? Which one? Order the Phoenix, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> he still hasn't no, seen no, Goblet I mean, of Fire. This is payback, I'm thinking. Warner Brothers heard that I didn't go and see Order the Phoenix when it first uh, was released, so now they've delayed Half-Blood Prince. Well, like I said, dude, you you, wouldn't have, for yeah, your you wouldn't have seen it until July anyway, so I don't know what that's your true. problem was. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's the here's here's a moment from that. So, Micah. So, Laura. After Jamie and I, uh, we railed on you a little bit last week for not seeing Order of the Phoenix, didn't we? Yeah, you did. Yeah, we gave you a pretty hard time. But um, I have to say that after after last week's show, you did the responsible thing that any muggle caster would do, and you went and saw the movie. So, uh, just in a nutshell, what did you uh, think of it? Overall, I thought that... It was done pretty well. I didn't really like the pace of it too much. I thought it went a little too quickly. And not that these movies don't have to go quickly because obviously they have to cover a lot. Wow. So there you go. There's Laura's hosting skill shining right through. Yeah. Yeah. Like any respectable host. I went and uh, asked Kevin Stack for a copy and he sent it over <laughs> to me. You didn't even so, go to the theater? I didn't go to the theater. No. That's right. Can't believe that. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, up next is a segment that we have not done in a long time and this is a, a segment that people have really wanted to see come back and I think we're very happy to bring it back now. It's debate time. It's not even the segment name. It's just called The Debate. And this is a segment uh, Ben uh, started a while ago, um, and people loved it. So we're going to get back into it, but um, we have a very fun topic. Uh, Were you inspired to get back into it because of the uh, vice presidential debate? 
that was yes. on Thursday. Yes, I want to be Sarah Palin too. We are so excited. All right, the debate topic for this week's debate: a portrait of Voldemort should be hung in the halls of Hogwarts. Yeah, woo! On the side of the affirmative, saying that a portrait should be hung in the halls of Hogwarts, we have Andrew Sims and Matt Britton. Team win, what? You're going down. On the non-affirmative, meaning negative, uh, that a portrait should not be hung, we have Micah Tannenbaum and Laura Thompson. Uh, For the portrait. Both sides. For the portrait. Laura. (laughs) No. Both sides will have two minutes to explain and express themselves, and then a one-minute rebuttal period will be granted for anyone to say what they want to say about the other person's stuff. Okay. Uh, With no further ado, let's go to the affirmative. Uh, Andrew and Matt, you have two minutes. It's on the clock. Get ready. On your marks. Get set. Hang on. (laughs) Get more set. Should we go first? You have two or minutes. Go second? Are we'll you ready? First. Okay. You ready? Yeah. You go first. Okay. On your marks, get set. Go. Because. All right. Well, Eric, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for hosting this panel tonight, and I'd like to thank uh, <laughs> Skype for hosting us all. Um, can I call you Eric, by the way? Just... Okay. Stay on topic, please. Okay. <laughs> Lord Voldemort was the greatest... was one of the greatest wizards of all time. He battled... No, numerous people and nobody could stand in his way except for Harry Potter but that's besides the point mm-hmm. Lord Voldemort deserves a portrait in the halls of Hogwarts that's why Matt and I stand resolved mm-hmm. he has made such a huge difference in the wizarding world this guy he changed everything in the world it, it was the wizarding world's 9-11 and I'm not even kidding he changed everything mm-hmm. so go ahead Matt okay. well Eric um, I have to say that um, Voldemort did uh, great <laughs> things, great things for the Wizarding World. They're terrible things, terrible, but they were great things. <laughs> and um, Eric, what we got to really decide is that Voldemort did pretty much. He did he, well. He did do a lot. He did a lot of things that wizards never did, that never could accomplish, and he did them, whether they were good or bad. He did them, and he. he whether he was evil or not, he does need some recognition for it. And he was a student at Hogwarts. Hogwarts mm-hmm. taught this yeah. guy, so they should recognize him. Hang up. Let the students throw eggs at it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Filter, clean, filter will clean it at the end of the day. And we can't say that all the wizards that were in the portraits um, were good. I mean, we have Salazar Slytherin, and he was a jerk. Yeah. He he needs to be recognized for his accomplishments. Yes. And sure, not everybody would agree with it. Mm-hmm. But it look, definitely need to be protected because people would vandalize it. But still. He changed everything. And I think Slytherins would be very happy to see his portrait hanging uh, up there. And I think Dumbledore would be too. Time. Excellent. Okay. That was a uh, <clears throat> bit scattered, but uh, mostly uh, to the point. Uh, personally, I feel it would be uh, a bit creepy to have a Voldemort poster, but uh, I- I'm sure that uh, the great uh, Team 2 can uh, can say it better than I can. So uh, we're going to go for the negative. You have two minutes. Opening statements. Go. Okay. Well, I mean, first and foremost, Voldemort is a killer. And I mean, I'm going to go right out here and say a lot of our points are interrelated, but I think this one stands for itself. 
there's not one instance in which a school or any kind of institution would find it appropriate to place a portrait of a previous student who later turned out to be a mass killer. Yeah, you can say that he's one of the greatest wizards of all time, but there are plenty of other terrible people who did extraordinary things. Remember, as Ollivander said, um, he did great but terrible things, and we can't forget the severity of the situation. Um, I think it's also important to remember, for comparison's sake, that the U.S. has also trained, or in this respect taught, people who later turned out to be very evil and did terrible things to us, but we don't have portraits of them on our walls just because they changed the world. Yeah, and the other thing is Hogwarts, he was responsible for deaths at the school both during and after his time as a student there. Uh, you look at Moaning Myrtle, uh, you look at the Muggle Studies teacher uh, that he was able to extract from Hogwarts and then torture uh, in Deathly Hollows. I, I mean, he has no remorse for anybody, especially people at that school. Yes, it was a great source of refuge for him, um, but at the same time, look at what he did to, to the people uh, who were there. He even staged the final battle on the grounds of Hogwarts. Right. And uh, speaking of Hogwarts, he's against everything that Hogwarts stands for. It's supposed to be a place where students of all different magical backgrounds are welcome um, to gain an education. And Voldemort was famous for promoting segregation between purebloods and everyone else. So it would really hurt the morale, I think, of the student body um, to give any sort of honor to this guy who not only widely promoted ideals of segregation, but also actively pursued a course to make those ideals a reality. Time. So, time. time. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Very well reasoned, guys. And now it's time for my Inquisition. <laughs> well, don't we get to t um, like all talk together too? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. Don't we get yeah. a rebuttal? Yeah, period? Yeah. You get a rebuttal. Okay. One minute rebuttal period. Andrew and Matt. You guys, your time starts. Well, don't we talk over yeah. each other? No, 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 no. Okay, you guys brought up that uh, they stay. Voldemort staged a battle on the grounds of Hogwarts. This is exactly why there should be a portrait. Like I said, he changed everything. Nothing will ever be the same again because of him. You guys also said that Voldemort pro prom uh, promoted segregation. So do the houses in Hogwarts. This guy was just promoting what was going on in Hogwarts. Hogwarts was corrupted, and Voldemort should be recognized for realizing these things that nobody else was bright enough to realize. I mean, look at these houses. Look at look at the Gryffindors and Slytherins. They they were at each other's throats. I mean, look at these Quidditch matches. All they do is promote anger within within the school when one team loses to another's team. What did Voldemort do? He was angry. He was angry at at the half bloods and the mud. Uh, well, mostly the mud bloods. He didn't accept this, Matt. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, the portrait, frankly, should be hung at the very entrance of the school because anyone who enters the school immediately thinks of Voldemort and what he did to this world. Remember, time. Voldemort time. was segregation. Time. time. I didn't get to say anything. You had nothing to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rebuttal period. Right. Laura and Micah, you have one minute. On your marks, get set. All right. Family double there. Uh, but Andrew, by your reasoning, then they should hang pictures of Hitler in synagogues and a picture of Osama bin Laden at all 9-11 memorials. I mean, the idea that this guy did what he did and should be honored for it in some capacity is absolutely ridiculous. Teaching about him in the school is one thing. 
honoring him with a portrait is a completely different one. I mean, you look at what happened at Durmstrang when you had these rogue kids who were who who put the symbol for the Deathly Hollows up on the wall and vandalized the school. And look the kind of reaction that it elicited from the students over there. I don't think that you can have that type of you know honoring of somebody who who is responsible for so much. You can teach about him absolutely, but putting him up in the halls of Hogwarts is is ridiculous. Yeah, and I will also say that you can't compare how um student rivalry to genocidal rage and murder. I think they're two completely different things. 5 just... seconds. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> oh, so confident. Okay. That ends both the main discussion and rebuttal period. Now it's time for my Inquisition. Yes, yes, Lord Voldemort did great but terrible things. Certainly his reign of terror has earned him status as one of the most powerful and powerfully terrifying wizards of all time. But... You don't see them hanging portraits of Adolf Hitler in synagogues, do you? And certainly his uh, there must be some contempt for the evilness of all of his uh, atrocities. Uh, certainly not in, in, a, in a, an inviting school setting such as the main entrance hall, by any means, would be appropriate. Certainly considering that many of the students' ancestors, or, or parents even, uh, siblings and... and, and teacher's children uh, were killed in that final epic battle. So finally, I have in fact reached a verdict over this debate segment and it'll be right after these messages. Thompson Tannenbaum 08. And we're back. And the verdict is Laura Thompson and Micah Tannenbaum have won negative. There should not be a portrait of Voldemort. Oh, I agree. Hogwarts. I agree. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. (laughs) You guys are right. Well, it was a fun topic to debate. You know what? Yeah. Actually, I'm on the fence People now. send in your thoughts. I, I, I think you guys have won the debate, um, but that's not to say that I didn't think there was something in here. When you guys first came up with this topic um, or brought, borrowed it from COS forums, I thought that there should be a portrait of Voldemort um, at Hogwarts because of – studying him and and you know in the name of prevention and trying to figure out exactly what made him that and bringing people closer together as a result of of what has happened that there should be uh books you know about him and all that stuff which there will obviously be but i always thought that maybe a, a sentient portrait you know magical portraits that can talk and walk and think should never be made of voldemort because that that's pretty creepy he'd find a way to escape that wouldn't he that's just creepy. i mean yeah. so why wouldn't they he do would. something like a muggle portrait uh maybe a non-moving portrait of Voldemort that that can't be cursed well we never said that yeah well I mean you you think muggles have them so they must they must uh just just don't enchant whatever you you know whatever you do but I always thought that would be a a compromise but uh yeah so I was in favor of something but uh certainly Mm -hmm. after that great debate by uh Laura and Micah there their side they pretty much conquered it well, uh, I still think you guys are losers, but that's okay. We'll put a poll on MuggleCast.com to see what everybody else thinks. I have a favor. Everybody, I have a f- yeah. feeling everybody. They can't send in their feedback. So. Yeah, send, we'll send in feedback to email directly MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com. Don't use a feedback form unless there's an update on MuggleCast.com with an update. Um, okay, so that's debate. Thank you, Eric, for moderating. And we'll have you debating uh, next time, probably next week. I'll moderate next week. Oh, okay, wonderful. 
steps this way, Eric. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is time for guess the scene. Guess that scene. Okay, let's get right into it because we are very short on time. It's okay. been a long show. Let's hop right into All right. it. I'm just going to introduce this because it's a fairly new segment. Um, basically, guess that scene is that I play a snippet from the soundtrack of the already released Harry Potter films, and uh, the entire panel will have to guess uh, what scene in the movie this is from. Yeah, the rules are different this time. We're going to do, we're just all going to guess together. Yes, because last time um, it, it was kind of too hard one on one. Too much pressure. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I s- really am not good. Right. So. Yeah. Well, okay. That also helps. Room of requirement. No, Dolores Umbridge. Oh, yeah. Which one was it? Who was right? Which one? Room of requirement. Oh, okay. Is It's not going to be the first person who answers it, are they? Well, I mean, you got it, so. Yeah, I say we I say we see how many, uh, who gets the most right at this. Okay, sure. Okay. All right, good job, Eric. All right. Winner. Okay. All right. That's stupid. Okay. Here's number two. This is a fast scene. The, Can we have a hint? What movie? Hedge Maze from Goblet of Fire. The yeah. Third, what the final said? task? The, the what? No. Hedge It, it sounds POA-ish. No, it doesn't. It sound- is it is it Order of no. the Phoenix? Is, is the Goblet of Fire at yes. the end, the third, the final task, where they're in the labyrinth? No. Oh, is it the people? No. Oh, your time is up. Oh. What was it? It was the Death Eater scene at the camp in Goblet of Fire. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. I now. Let's continue. Here comes another one. This one better be answered in two seconds. I had to give you an easy one. Here we go. Well, Eric's going to get it then. Thank you for your confidence, Micah. Oh, this is Christmas from the first it sounds movie. Sounds like Christmas. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Which movie? Sorcerer? Yes. Good job, Micah. First movie. Happy Christmas, Harry. Oh, good job. Happy Christmas, Harry. All right. And here's the last one. Oh, there's still one more? Yeah, I did four. Oh, well, hold on. We got to celebrate that one first. Yay. Okay. Okay, Here goes goes number four and the final one for this segment. Here we go. This is a trick one. Oh, that's when the Durmstrangs come. It's Yeah, when Durmstrangs come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's two. That's the trick. There's two. Two answers? They use this in two, in two scenes. Um, other one, guys? The uh, dragon? No. Uh, uh, I know it, but... Um, you got was one, it right? Quidditch? Durmstrang comes Time's in. Up. Yeah, the trailer? I don't know. Why'd you bring it up? Don't do that. I don't it's know. Pretty creepy. Yeah. Just keep. Playing. We give up. All right. It's when the Bulgarians oh. come. It's when the Bulgarians come in during the um, Quidditch World oh, Cup. Oh, okay. Ooh. Ooh. All right. I well, think. I think. Oh, good enough. I think Eric won. That's how we play. Guess that scene. All right. 
I love sound effects. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll wrap things up today with a chicken soup for the MuggleCast Soul. This comes from uh, Katie. A letter cannot even express how much you have helped me, but here it goes. I began to listen to MuggleCast about two weeks after the release of Book 7. I was hooked immediately and never missed an episode after that. At the time, I was going through the stress of junior year and my grandma suffering from Alzheimer's. My family was, and still is, going through grief. There were nights I would just go break down and cry. Every Sunday, I would download the latest episode of MuggleCast, and your jokes and voices would calm me down and help me go to sleep. I made it through the school year passing everything, and I always love to think I did it because of MuggleCast. Now, my senior year, I am facing the same situation, but I know that I will have 157 episodes of MuggleCast to get me through the tough time of college admissions and helping my grandmother. I truly love you guys, and I owe you my sanity. Heart, heart, love, Katie. Aw, Katie, that's so sweet. So that's very sweet. Thank you, Katie, for that. And hey, there we go. It's the end of the show. We want to remind everybody about our uh, contact information before we let you go. Laura, hey, what's the P.O. Box? It's P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia, 30028. You should be really glad I can still remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget, we do have a MuggleCast uh, voicemail hotline if you want to call in your questions, comments, or whatever else. If you're in the United States, you can dial 128-20-MAGIC. If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. And if you're in Australia, just dial 028-003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast, but no matter how you call us, just remember to keep your message under 60 seconds, as, uh, under 60 seconds please, and eliminate as much background noise as possible. And, you know, it's been forever since we heard from Billy Joe, so if Billy Joe could call back I, Why don't we have any crazy listeners who, like, call in a lot with crazy <laughs> statements and stuff like that? We used to. I don't know. It could be because we, like, <laughs> We used to. <laughs> so they all, all we used on. to. Yeah. That all became normal. <laughs> um, and don't forget, you can visit MuggleCast.com for a variety of community outlet links, including our MySpace, our Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, the fan listing, and the forums. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, dig the show at dig.com, and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we hope that you all enjoyed the book discussion. I think we did a good job with that, and uh, we're going to stick with that for a while till uh, ever, forever. So, uh, thanks, everyone, again, for listening. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannebaum. And I'm Matthew Britton. We'll see everyone next time for episode 160. Goodbye. Bye. Woo. Bye. 160. Yeah.